So um, I married a pilot, and he has, Joel has been a pilot for 17 years, and we have been married for eight, which means that if I wanted to stay married to him, I had to learn a new language. <laughs> I had to learn how to understand his language, because he comes home and says things like, Alpha, Bravo, Niner, Flaps, Cross Check stuff. And the only thing I know about pilot speak is what I learned from Maverick and Goose in Top Gun. So I know switching to guns and buzz the tower. That seemed sufficient for me until Joel started telling me his stories. And, and so I learned some of his words. And, and one day he was telling me a story about when he was flying cross country. And now what pilots um, know and the way they're trained is that they are trained to always trust their instruments, always. Because things can get confusing up there. You know, if you're in the clouds or if you're in, you know, different kind of terrain or anything like that, the instruments are always dependable and you can always count on the instruments. And so if you start to question things, you don't trust, you know, your your, what you're perceiving, you know, but you trust the instruments, which are the authority, okay? Those, that's the authority for a pilot. And one day he was flying cross country and it was a beautiful, clear day and he was on flat terrain. And so he was flying along and, and he would do a cross check, which means he would check the instruments. He would look out on the horizon, make sure everything was going well. And he, he was just flying along, and it, he told me that there must have been this um, thin layer of clouds over him that must have been at a slight angle because he would start being aware more of his surroundings, and he would make himself level with those clouds that were out there. And before he knew it, he would be in a slight left turn. And when he would check the instruments, he would realize he wasn't flying level. He wasn't flying flat. He was flying level with the clouds. And so he would adjust the instruments again and adjust his wing level or pitch or something like that. And, um, and then he would start going straight again, because if he didn't, he would level with the clouds and he would find himself again in that slight left turn. And you know, I can't help but think about myself as he's telling this story, not that I wasn't being a good listener, but I was thinking about our own lives and how you know we go along and we set a course and we make a plan and we, we do our best to listen to God's will, right? And, but before I know it, something has happened, some external circumstance, some level of trauma, or maybe just the reality of life. Something has happened and I've aligned my, my thoughts and my behaviors with with what has happened. And instead of looking to the instruments, the authority, instead of looking to the faithfulness of God, I start flying based on those circumstances and I find myself in a slight left turn. And now when Joel was flying, he, you know, in his slight left turn, he was afraid he might end up in Mexico. And for me in college, my slight left turn literally did end me up in Mexico. But it's when we get to those places that we should check our instruments and straighten up and we should go back and forget about our abilities and about our knowledge and we should look to the faithfulness of God. We must cross-check our instruments. We must check our behaviors, our beliefs with what God has told us in the Bible about himself and about his son. 
You know, throughout the lesson this week, we saw numerous times where our circumstances or where just the realities of life created a tension between what um, the people knew about Jesus and then the way they responded to him. And so this morning, I want to focus on the disciples and Peter when they were crossing the Sea of Galilee in the storm. So turn with me to Matthew 14, and we'll start in verse 22. So verse 22 starts off immediately, and I'll just stop there for a second, immediately. He said they, what that should make us think is that something happened that they now are doing something afterward immediately. So what happened, do y'all remember from the lesson? Jesus had fed the 5,000. And he had sent the people away, he had sent the disciples away, and he had gone up on a, um, in a quiet place to pray by himself. And so he sent the disciples away in a boat. And they had just witnessed Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish and, and more than adequately meeting the physical needs of the people. And so immediately after that, Jesus sent them into the boat out into the Sea of Galilee. So look at verse 22. Immediately... He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. They saw, them, they saw Jesus coming and they went, oh my gosh, what's that? Do you see that? I mean, it looks like a person. It's in the shape of a person. But people can't walk on water. What is that? And then Jesus talked and he said, do not be afraid. And they go, Jesus? But Jesus can't walk on water. Is that that really Jesus? And everyone was speechless except the chatty one, Peter. You ever feel like Peter, I don't, um, what I do when I get nervous or I'm in a situation that I'm not really comfortable, I talk a lot, and I just keep going, and then at the end of the day, I go, oh my gosh, why did I say all those things? And I feel like Peter found himself in this situation, and they all see Jesus, they hear Jesus, and, and Peter goes, Lord! Oh, that, no, like, did I say that? And he, but Peter was so excited, he could not contain himself, and so he yelled out to the Lord, because Peter, he just wants to be with Jesus, And so he gets out of the boat and he starts walking toward him on the water. (laughs) So let's stop here for a minute. Some say that Peter wanted to go to Jesus because he was a disciple and he wanted to do what his rabbi told him. He wanted to be like his rabbi. He wanted to be a disciple and he wanted to walk on the water out to Jesus too. And others say that, that Peter just loved Jesus so much that he wanted to be by his side every chance he got. Y'all know, like a puppy or, or a toddler, right? I thought about that and I was like, I wonder if 
Jesus ever got to go to the bathroom by himself. <laughs> but you know, I think regardless, Peter just wanted to be by Jesus' side. And so he called to Jesus and Jesus told him to come and Peter started walking on the water. Do you ever think that the thought occurred to Peter or the others that, that Peter can't walk on water? I love how John Piper puts it. He says, if we're not thinking carefully, we might assume that what, Pe what held Peter up was his faith, but that's not accurate. It wasn't Peter's faith keeping him afloat. It was Jesus, and Peter knew that. That's why he didn't just leap out of the boat on his own. He asked Jesus to command him to come, and what Jesus did was honor Peter's faith by commanding the water to bear his weight. Isn't that cool? You see, what does that mean for us in this? It means that it is not our faith that makes the impossible possible. It is simply Jesus. Jesus is faithful. In 2 Timothy 2, it tells us that when we are faithless, Jesus is faithful. So again, it is not our faith that makes the impossible possible. It is simply Jesus. So Peter is out of the boat and he is walking on the water and then it hit him. So I'm not God and I can't stand on the water. And he realized it and he started to sink. Look back at this. Um, we might be so used to this story that, that we forget that it was kind of a miracle for Peter to walk on water. But look at what verse 29 says. He was afraid and beginning to sink. Have any of y'all ever tried to walk on water? Do, do you begin to sink or do you just sink? Right? You just sink. And so here it says Peter was beginning to sink. Let's go back to what John Piper um, he continued on in his article. It said, Peter began to sink when his faith shifted from the firmness of Jesus' word to the instability of his circumstance. Let's read that again. When his faith shifted from the firmness of Jesus' word to the instability of his circumstance. And when he did, it was Jesus letting him sink slowly. And for Peter, that was a grace. Grace. What does that mean, grace? It means that Jesus, in his faithfulness, he rescues us and does the impossible in our lives. And we look to him to rescue us because he is always faithful and we see his power at work. I know we can all think of times when we saw him do that. But then something happens and we begin to notice the circumstances around us and we think, oh my gosh, I am human and I am not God. And these things are happening. You see, we know Jesus deep within our soul, but then we start prioritizing those things around us. Like, like that diagnosis makes it seem that God doesn't see me. When, when she died, I felt like God wasn't answering my prayers. Or I mean, I can hardly make my bills this month does God not provide for me? And we start questioning that goodness that we know about God. We start questioning our circumstances instead of trusting the instruments, the authority. Now Jesus, when he starts letting Peter down, you see, he didn't just pull his hand out from under Peter, did he? 
And he does not pull his hand out from under us. Matthew 28, 20 tells us that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Never, never means never. He will never remove his hand from us. And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit active, living in our hearts to guide us. And when Peter began sinking, that was grace. Because what did Peter do? He called out, Lord, save me, Lord, rescue me, take me back to the comforts of the boat. And that is exactly what Jesus did. You see, at that moment, the outer circumstances, the storm, the waves, the water, they were all still there. But Peter looked to the faithfulness and to the authority of Jesus. Because Jesus is faithful and we can trust him over our circumstances. So you saw there are two chairs up here. And so I'm gonna invite my friend Whitney to come up and join us this morning. <clears throat> Whitney Russell grew up here at IBC and in Irving. Um, we, she was one of the first friendships I formed when I moved to Dallas. And so we've been friends about 13 years. And so we became friends when we were what, like 15, right? Yeah. Um, no, long after that. Um, and Whitney attends the AM Bible study. She sits right over there at table 15 and, um, she knows, go ahead, you can have a seat and then I'll have, she knows firsthand what it is like to walk through storms and to feel like you're sinking and to know what it's like to call out to Jesus. So will y'all welcome Whitney for us, please? Is this okay? Should I move? Okay. It's really tall. I think I've told you way too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Whitney and I, um, we, we have a lot of stories that we've shared over the years, right? Um, we've shared a lot of ups and downs and laughter and tears and a lot of wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. And so um, did you do that? <laughs> okay, no, I gave them that. Um, we have trouble being serious when we're together. Um, but today we are going to share something, um, you know, serious and um, Whitney's story. And so, Whitney, will you just start out and tell us um, where your story starts when you were a little girl? When I was little, <clears throat> I grew up in a very rough home. My mm -hmm. father, my mom was, you know, she, she was doing her thing. She was, she was there. But my mm -hmm. father, he, he was very abusive. Mm -hmm. um, like, he was a type that if my mom just did something, didn't, cook his dinner right mm -hmm. he wouldn't speak to us for days upon days mm -hmm. so I'm a little mm -hmm. three-year-old saying daddy mm -hmm. daddy mm -hmm. and he would just walk by me and mm -hmm. just ignore me and then so how long did that go on um that went on mainly my entire like till I was about eight my parents mm -hmm. my mom finally left him and we left while he was at work mm -hmm. and she wrote a note and said, you know, we're at, we're at my grandma, at mom's, and mm -hmm. I need you to get counseling. Your daughter is scared of you, mm -hmm. and this and that. And she took his guns with him because mm -hmm. he would clean them in front of me and frighten me with the guns. And mm -hmm. the only thing, he came calling, and I <clears> thought, well, maybe he was calling to see where I was. And all he asked for was his guns. He, mm -hmm. didn't, he didn't care where I was. I'm eight years old, and, you know. Yeah. So then she went through... And got full custody of me. I was having mm -hmm. to do visitations with him mm -hmm. every other mm -hmm. weekend, and it was so traumatic. Mm -hmm. And um, she finally got full custody, mm -hmm. and I was 10 
and he came to pick me mm -hmm. up. And I asked my mom, do I have to go this time? She said, actually, you don't. So I went on the porch, and he came up, and he said, get in the truck. And I said, I hate you. I never want to see you again. And that's the last time I've seen him and talked to him. Mm. Winnie, I can't imagine. That's, that's awful. I know um, some of us here can relate because we know tough relationships, right? And we've been through those. And um, just like we talked about those outer circumstances, things like relationships can often distort our view of God. And obviously you were scared of your father very much. Um, but let's now go forward a little bit to middle school. Um, where you're in middle school, you're coming to IBC, uh, your mom remarried Eddie, mm -hmm. and you still have a great relationship with Eddie, who is, she changed her name to, to Eddie's name, and he's amazing, y'all should know. Um, and he became a godly father, and, but how did these, uh, how did those situations affect basically your relationship with God? Like, did you, did you have a relationship with him? Did you even want one? I longed for the connection, but mm -hmm. I, to that connection to God, but I felt that he was invisible mm -hmm. or that I was invisible and he was very aloof and not a real, not anything real to me. It was mm -hmm. just this figure mm -hmm. that was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can tell you whenever my, whenever I was younger and my mom would try to comfort me by saying, Jesus is here, I would get scared. I'd be like, why would you be scared? Where? I thought, I thought, I thought he was just this lurking man, like looking to hurt me or something. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, she's comforting me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it creeped me out. Yeah. Because that's what you had experienced with that's your dad. What I had experienced and so with him. you hear another man is in the house. It's scary. Yeah. Right? And even I loved Eddie, my, my stepdad so uh -huh. much, but mm -hmm. even whenever he, we were going to my mom said, he is going to be your dad. Mm -hmm. I said, well, then that means he's going to be mean to me. Mm -hmm. So. But he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he was wonderful. Um, and so you have gone through these. You, you, you grew in your relationship with God. And you were smart. You knew that things weren't right. And you went to counseling, right? Um, you sought therapy. And you worked really hard to get through these issues. So at this point, who um, was Jesus to you? Jesus was... A figure. He was, I mm -hmm. was very, I knew who he was and I was trusting him, but mm -hmm. it was very analytical to mm -hmm. me. I'm not, I hadn't let him touch my heart. I was still very shut off to any presence mm -hmm. of Jesus, but I knew I was, I was starting to understand who he was. Right. Um, but since it was an analytical thing, like you said, um, your, your, Mind knowledge changed, but your heart didn't. Right. So did that show up in any of your life? Yeah. Yeah. It showed up. In, <laughs> How did it show up in your life? Well, we all know it did. <laughs> not having the heart change made me just try to be in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And I was out there doing a lot of stuff I was not proud of. I could feel not being proud, but I was still doing it. I was, mm -hmm. I was running around just trying to fix my own identity, really. Mm -hmm. And um, how did you decide to, to fix that? I, I, thought, I thought marriage would fix it. I really did. I decided, mm -hmm. you know what? Getting married, that will sanctify me. That will redeem me if I get married. Yeah, we, we all know marriage totally works for that reason, right? <laughs> um, and I can chuckle because 
I, you know, we, we've walked this road together. So, so how did that marriage, um, tell us about, about that and when you got married. Well, it was 2008. Mm-hmm. It was 2008. Mm-hmm. And I met, um, this guy, Brian, and he seemed to have everything in line. Mm-hmm. He seemed to, you know, have a relationship with God. I was like, check. Mm-hmm. He seemed to have a good job. Check. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good looking. Check. Mm-hmm. This is good. it. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And honestly, I felt like I could control him a little bit. He seemed kind of weak. And that, <laughs> I mean, he did. <laughs> and that, that made me feel a little bit like, okay, he's not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. He is not going to mm-hmm. hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. I felt God before I married him say, don't do it. Mm. And I said, I got this. <laughs> I got this. Don't worry. And, and so, did you got it? Oh, I got it. <laughs> How'd you get it? Well, <laughs> well, I married him and a couple of weeks in, I started getting sick. It started throwing up. Well, actually, at your reception. At my reception, I did. I was Uh in my wedding dress throwing up, and my mom was in the bathroom with me. Mm -hmm. And then about two weeks later, it happened again. And he was kind. He was, you know, taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And then it continued, and I lost about 20 pounds in two months. And I wasn't really putting anything together because I was going to make this happen. This is my redemption. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this work. Mm -hmm. I wasn't calling out to God. I wasn't even putting him in the picture with Brian and I. Mm-hmm. And one morning after being sick all night, I, it was five in the morning and we had these, the way our bedroom doors shut, there was mm-hmm. this big crack in there. And I saw this pacing, this pacing. And then I would see this gleam of the knife. And I was like, I registered for that knife. I know that knife. It's a mm-hmm. big butcher knife. And Mm. just fear Mm -hmm. came over me. And Mm -hmm. I felt God say, run, run. And I was still just thinking, run where? Mm -hmm. You know? And Mm -hmm. so I ran to my parents. (laughs) I did. I ran to my parents. Mm -hmm. And I stopped weirdly getting sick after every time he brought me something. And I uh, went to the doctor and the doctor said, I think it's antifreeze. So all this time, God was saying, run to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just saying, I got this. Mm-hmm. And that redemption was trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like our own choices that literally, when we do it in our own strength, right. they try to kill us. Yep. Winnie, I can't, um, I've heard this story a lot, yeah. and I still can't comprehend what it was like to wake up to him holding that knife, to knowing that he had been poisoning you. It's, um, you know, that it is an extreme example, and, and most of us don't know <laughs> extreme stories like that. But what we do know is that we make those decisions and seek those idols to fix everything and to make it right, right? Like, um, we seek children to fill in that hole. 
or um, a career or success or um, that new pair of shoes or my social status. We seek all of those things to fill that God hole. And before we know it, they might be trying to kill us. You know, metaphorically for most of us, literally for you. Right. Um, and so you knew when God, when you were getting married, you heard God's voice saying, don't do it. Um, I did. Looking back, why did you not want to listen to God? I still wanted to be in control. I didn't mm-hmm. trust God fully. Mm-hmm. I intellectually knew him, but in my mm-hmm. heart, I had not surrendered. Mm-hmm. I had not been vulnerable to him at all. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like he cared about you or did, um, you know, or did you see him as like your bio dad, like you saw him? I still what? saw him as an aloof, mm-hmm. you know, just presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember being at your wedding and asking your mom, where's Whitney? And she said, oh, she's in the bathroom throwing up. And I remember just as you were walking through all of this and then getting on the other side and realizing you needed help and you did need rescue. And so um, did you, what, did you seek out God at this point? What were, um, you were kind of at the bottom of the barrel. How were you feeling after that? I was feeling embarrassed. I was broken. I was Mm -hmm. completely just really going, I cannot believe I've, I've done this to myself. Mm -hmm. And I just laid it out there. I Mm -hmm. took a step and went, God, help me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) help me. Mm -hmm. I need you. Mm -hmm. And I called on God to, to make my heart vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Was it scary to surrender to him? It was incredibly scary. Mm Mm-hmm. I daily have to choose and ask the Holy Spirit to make me vulnerable. Mm. What, um, and you know, the, the story of Peter comes to mind when he called out to Jesus and said, Lord, rescue me. Lord, come get me. And, um, and Jesus says, oh, Peter, ye have little faith. And you know, I think we might say that that sounds like God was chiding him a little bit. Like, why didn't, why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you pay attention? Um, but I, I think that's God, that's Jesus reminding Peter how much he loved him. So did God, um, when you were finally vulnerable and when you surrendered all of your control and yourself to God, um, how did he receive you? With open arms. I feel that God chased me. He, mm. he pursued mm. me in a mm-hmm. way that my biological father never did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, I could feel that. I could feel the pursuit of mm-hmm. him. And any time I was vulnerable and open to him, he did not ever let me down. Mm-hmm. So how did, um, what, um, what changed in your actions, in your daily actions? Like, um, how did you work, you know, looking at the instruments and doing your cross checks, how did you work that into your life? What did that look like for you? I was, I would pray. I would pray mm-hmm. with an open heart to him. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I was drawn to read John a lot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know why I was reading John, but I loved mm-hmm. the relationship between John and Jesus. And I would read it over and over and over. And I would lay in bed and mm-hmm. listen to praise and worship music and just mm-hmm. like feel the presence of God. Mm. I love that. And I love the, you know, the relationship Jesus and John had. They were friends. Yeah. And Jesus, 
He just wanted to be your friend. Um, I mean, did you feel did did you feel weak? Like, were there days where you just thought it's not going to happen? Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt weak every day, and then mm-hmm. I would have to get on my knees and rely on Jesus's strength, not mine. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Um, so that's that's exciting. That's um, I know you've got it all figured out perfectly, right? And you um, do it right every day. Um, (laughs) Not yet. Uh, We got more. Um, So you are on your knees, and you are pursuing the Lord, and um, you decide to start on a project, right? Right. Okay. What was your project? Well, I decided that I wanted to write. Well, people were saying, write a book, write a book, but I wanted it to be funny, so I decided to do an online dating book. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I need to get some resources. I need, I need to start online dating and just Uh get some stories. And I have some funny stories, guys. Yes. They're good. So I'm still, you know, I want to do what God wants me to do, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, this will be a funny book and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I meet. Because if you see Whitney outside, she's hilarious. So we're being real serious right now, but I am in stitches 90% of the time when we're together. (laughs) So, okay. You can be serious again. Oh, what were it? Um, you're writing your book and you're online dating. Right. And so what happens? Well, I um, meet this guy, Cody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I show up and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to like him. I mean, he's wearing mom jeans. I'm not. <laughs> I was like, really? Mom jeans? But there was something. Oh, thank sem- goodness for all of us, right? There, there was something semi endearing about him. <laughs> and. He was, he was very kind. I could tell that he was kind, but I didn't want a relationship. Mm-hmm. I did not. And I felt God telling me, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I was like, okay, I really want to listen this time. Mm-hmm. I want it to be you, God, and not mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And Cody kept on pursuing me in mm-hmm. a way that I just hadn't been pursued before. It was a very kind and patient mm-hmm but yet steadfast. Mm-hmm. What, um, so was it hard to trust God in this? What, did you think God would protect you? Did you think you could trust him? What were your feelings at this point? Um, I thought I could trust God in mm-hmm. this, but I was still scared, yeah. you know, and yeah. I had to tell God, I am scared. I do not want to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make a bad choice. Mm-hmm. And so a year-ish later, yeah. what happened? Uh, we got married. <laughs> <laughs> and there is sweet Cody, and he is sweet. Um, so, I mean, you know, you have some, I won't call it baggage, you have stories. Um, so how does Cody handle that? What, um, you know, what does it look like to enter into a relationship with someone? Like, like me? With all of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> what does it look like for you to, you know, open yourself up? And, and how does Cody receive all of that? You know... Cody has, it's been rough on him, really, Mm -hmm. because I used to not even let him bring me food. So, yeah. So it's been rough on him, but he has really pursued Mm. a relationship with God and and Jesus and said, let me help heal her. Mm. And and he has been so patient and so good Mm. and so just present with me in all my pain. And really, God has healed me through Cody. Mm. It's incredible. And so when you meet other people who have gone through 
yucky situations. Um, how does your how do your experiences help you in those times? I feel like it's given me empathy. God has given me empathy, mm-hmm. and He's given me a way to speak truth through love. You know, and love mm-hmm. and speak truth, or however mm-hmm. you want to say it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty truthful. And I've been so thankful for that through our relationship. <laughs> um, I remember a time when I had gone through a really tough um, times and a tough situation. And um, I remember where I was sitting in a rental car in Washington State. And my phone rang and it was Whitney. And she had just been through um, a divorce. And I had just been through rough times. And she said, hey, um, will you come lead us in a Bible study? We need to get in the word. I was like, do you not remember what I just told you about my life? Are you crazy? And she said, yeah, but we still need to seek out Jesus and get into the word. And she was a great encouragement to me. And it has been that way. And then I made her come to Bible study. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> and she loves it. Um, but it, is, it has just been, um, God has used um, her stories to heal um, lots of us, because it is an empathetic and true, sincere love, just like when Jesus went through suffering, and he now identifies, he, he then identifies with us in our suffering, and he is still faithful in all of those moments. And so, um, God is, is faithful, right? Yes. And so, um, as we wrap up, um, tell the ladies, uh, what monumental thing happened two days ago? Um, my little girl turned three. Mm-hmm. And her name is Ellis. Isn't she precious? Mm-hmm. And tell me what, uh, what has Ellis meant to you? What has Ellis taught you about God? Ellis has taught me that God loves me so much that he would give me something that I don't deserve. And he trusts me with that little girl. And I trust him. And I know he loves her more than I do. And I can't even imagine that. Mm -hmm. And that tells me how much he loves me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being brave and sharing your story. Whitney, would y'all please thank her properly? Okay. Um... You know, even when our circumstances are just pretty awful, even when we feel like we are starting to sink, Jesus is faithful. When we don't deserve it, when we have gotten ourselves in this mess, Jesus is faithful. You see, just as soon as Peter called out to Jesus, And he started to sink. Jesus was faithful to pull him back. Jesus chased after him and pulled him back. And he never left Peter. And he will never leave us. No matter the circumstances or the outer influences, Jesus never changes. He is faithful. He is true to his word. And he loves you. Let me pray for y'all. Lord Jesus, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for showing up all the time when we least deserve it. 
Thank you that this is about your power and not ours because we are so weak. We love you, Jesus. Amen.